I met my love near Woolwich Pier Beneath the big crane standing All the love I felt for her It passed all understanding Took her sailing on the river Flow, sweet river flow London town was mine to give her Sweet Thames flow softly You're very welcome to join us for our Christmas trip around London to meet some of the many Irish people who live, work and mature in many an area from Hammersmith to Hoborn, from Kilburn to Camden and from Wimbledon to Westminster. People like Thomas O'Connor who left the plains of Royal Meath many, many years ago to look for adventure and a new life down by the River Thames. I come over here, as I said, in 1937. I joined the army in 1939. I'd done six and a half years in the army. I come out in 19, uh, 19, 1946, wasn't it? I think at the end of 1946, I come out anyway. When you were in the army, Tom, where yes. did you see service? What countries were you in? Germany and France and a few other little places, like everyone else. And you saw a lot of people being killed. Oh yes, many. Yes, you couldn't. You couldn't, but see them killed. Oh yes. Do you ever have nightmares now about these days? Not, not without, not about those. No, but I do have bad dreams. I used to be very fond of drink and all that. But I'm trying to beat that now. But I've never had nightmares of those experiences, army experiences. No, no, it's just all forgotten now, as far as I'm concerned. You still take a pint? I haven't taken a drink. Haven't taken a drink now for now. I think this is the seventh week. Seventh week is yes. Seventh week um, yesterday. Matter of fact, Monday. It was on a Monday. I noticed that you remember exactly how long ago it was. You must have a thirst, have you? Indeed, I have, and I've been very, very tempted. I've been very, very tempted. It's very, very difficult when you're having a drink. I've had drink problems. I've been in hospital with drink problems. Uh, I've been in a psychiatric ward with drink problems. Not very long ago, only a couple of years ago. When you stand now, say, Tom, on Westminster Bridge and you look down or up the River Thames, yes. then oh, how, do you, how do you feel about it, England? Well, uh, I walked on the Thames for over 27 years on the dock. I was a docker on the uh, Tooley Street, in between Tooley Street and uh, London Bridge. So I've got I've very, uh, I've looked into the Thames a few times. And what was life like there? Terrific. I've never had a bad moment in this country. I must be fair about it. I've got my own political opinions and make it. Now I don't discuss them, of course, I keep them to myself. But um, I've always had a good time. I think I've always got, in, got along with most people. There is the differences here and there as you go along in life. But on the whole, I've had a good life. Shane Mullally is 19. And he left downtown Athlone over a year ago to seek his fortune 
beneath the bright lights of London. London is not barefoot gold. They always say it is, but it's not, because um, a lot of the Irish that do come over to this country are all heading for building sites. Now, there's, the Irish are educated. Most Irish people are educated. Some have gone to university, and some have gone to um, higher-grade uh, education. And not everyone wants to work on the building site. So um, I come over in January, and I've... I've registered my name with job centres, um, job agencies, cover staff here in Kilburn High Road, an agency which take on people and have them working in hotels for a day or two. It's they bring them, show them around everywhere, a day here, a day there, whatnot, and you get paid at the end of the week. And I was at that for a couple of months over here, so they had me working in salvages, um, down in the basement of salvages. It's a, a restaurant, Bojangles or something was the name of it. So um, then we formed the youth group over here, myself and a few lads from the hostel here, um, Larry Hamilton from the north of Ireland. We formed the youth group here, and we ha it's going very, going very well at the moment. We've, we formed in the end of May. Kaz uh, is the name of the group, which is Kilburn all sorts. And we have done charity for old people. We've, just after decorating an old lady's home there a couple of weeks ago, wallpapering for her. She's 75 years of age. And we've done sponsored walks, sponsored discos. We have a parachute jump coming up in February, 86. And one of our lads, Paul Hines, who's 18 years of age, is jumping up in Hertfordshire, about 3,000 feet. We hope to raise enough money from that to make, to, um, to buy a minibus for the parish here. That's for the old people to travel around and for the mothers and toddlers group, which is down in the club, the Sacred Heart Youth Club. And for Kaz, Kilburn all sorts to take them outside London to do different things. So um, we're going out for a long time. So we were, um, <coughs> Father Quinn is our parish priest across the road, and he has been a great help to us since we've started the group. A lot uh, of people in Ireland uh, think now that when young fellas come over here to London, uh, they go wild, give up religion, give up everything, and they go crazy, you know, yeah. that they really let it all hang out. Is that true? It is true, yeah. A lot, a lot of people that come over here, they've been brought, dragged up by the parents and saying, you have to go to Mass, you have to go to confession, you have to do this, you have to do that. When they come over here to London, that all stops, it changes automatically. <laughs> they don't go to Mass, they don't go to confession, they're out drinking every night of the week, they're doing everything. It's crazy over here. <laughs> Is it because they were reared or brought up in a kind of a very sheltered atmosphere that they're exposed to nothing? Somewhere, some others were just let do what they like. I know from this country, then that all stops automatically because you get out and do what you like and come in whenever you like. From Shadwell Dock to Nine Elms Reach, we cheek to cheek were dancing. Her necklace made of London Bridge, her beauty was enhancing. Kissed her once again, the twapping flow, sweet river flow. After that there was no stopping, sweet hands flow softly. 
A place to stay isn't all that easy to find in London. If you've got no job and only little money, but Conway House in Quecks Road in Kilbourne High is a good halfway home for young fellows like Seamus Burley from Kinoli in County Fermanagh and Michael Knight from Ballinlaw in County Roscommon. Well, I think it's much better because I was in Manchester a while and I find London there's much more facilities for the Irish. You know, and I think it's a good idea, the Catholic hostels. It's a good idea for young people to come over and gives them a good start. And um, Now, if you hadn't a place like Conway House here now to go into, what would you do? Where would you go? Well, I have no idea because I, I didn't have much money to get a flat like and they're so dear here. As the accommodation here is very cheap compared with other places, you know. Well, have you got a job as well? No, not at the moment, no. I was working last week, but it's coming near Christmas now, it's getting scarce work. But there's, fair, there's more, much more work here than any other part of England. In Manchester, there isn't much work in it at all. Uh, what do you do then in your spare time? Do you have any fun, amusement or entertainment? Oh, yes, I go swimming up the road there. And I'm a member in the library. And I do go to the computers here in, in Conway House. Well, how many stay here altogether in the hostel? There's about a hundred, but there's new faces coming and going every week. You know. And I'd say you'd never get to know some of them. Yeah, they're coming gone that fast, you wouldn't know them at all. Seamus, how long are you living here in Conway House? I've been in Conway House from about the end of September. Well, what made you come to a place like this? Um, it's handy, like, you know, because you're in Kilbourne and... Um, there's a good place for Irish, you know, like, for getting work. And I uh, had been staying in a bed and breakfast from uh, about the end of March. And uh, it ended up that the bed and breakfast had to close down because they were doing it up, so that's so why I just moved in here, you know. As, it, as I said, it's handy, like. But is there a kind of discipline on this place, like a hostel? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's good discipline, like. Yeah, yeah you get good meals and it's clean, good rooms. And, and is it expensive? It's uh, £46 uh, per week. Well, it's a fair lot of money. Yeah, it is. It's a good bit of money. But I've been unemployed now from from about the end of June, so uh, it's the British government's paying that. Well, when you were up in Kenali, the British government would pay whatever money you got there too. Yeah, but uh, I was living at home, like, and you, you wouldn't get as much, you know. You know, you, you don't get your rent paid for, so you're living with your parents, and it's it's very hard to survive on about uh, £22 per week, I think. What's the social life like here now for you in London? Oh, it's very good. There's always, there's always somewhere to go, like. If I was back home, like, I would have to, I would have to travel, you know? That would you Where would you travel to? Into Swallenbar, County Cavan, Beltorbet. Sometimes go down to Skilman. In or around about uh, 20 mile radius of Kinali, so, you know? But if I was taking a drink, like, I'd be putting myself under risk because I'd be taking out of care, you know. As I say here in London, like, you know, like, there's a lot of public transport and for the couple of pence, like, you can almost go anywhere. And you'd never be pulled out of a car because you wouldn't be in one. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Swift. 
the sands flows to the sea flow sweet river flow bearing ships and part of me sweet fans flow softly Regent Street, in the very heart of London, has a breadth of Cork and Kerry. That's if you go into Dickens and Jones, where the shopping advisor, Mary Kavner, dispenses charm and graciousness. Well, Christmas for you in Ireland, I was going to say long ago, but not that long ago, Mary. Very uh, long ago. <laughs> would have been um, particularly colourful because uh, you are the niece of that very well-known, colourful Kerryman, Kruger Kavner. Oh, I am, but I'm also the daughter of Seamus, which is very important to me. And if you're talking about famous families, and it's very kind that you say so, I had another uncle, Sean Okosa, and I had another uncle, Liam, and all four men together, I think, in their own way, have given such a lot to home. And it must be part of my background, because that's as I was born. But I'm, my father, if he's listening, might be slightly upset. I've never had the great yearning that they had to go into academic life. In fact, I've done quite the reverse. Now, Sean Nicote uh, was remembered there recently down in the native heath in Kerry there last October. Do you remember him yourself, Mary, very distinctly? I remember him as a child, but not terribly well, because I was quite young when he died, but without question, I can remember him coming to stay with us in Cork. And one of the nice stories was that he went and brought some crabs, and they ran all over the drawing room, and for weeks little crabs were coming out of various places, and my mother wasn't at all pleased. He'd brought them for my sister, who he was particularly fond of. But I think when you're a child, because it is at that particular time that things are happening, you don't particularly note everything that goes on. It's only later on, when you reflect on times, that you piece together in your own mind what really did happen. But Uncle Kruger, well, who doesn't remember? <laughs> that would be an easier way of putting it. I mean, he was a colourful character. But of course, like everything else, people within their own families are always slightly different to how people imagine them outside. It is very unusual that anybody who hasn't particularly lived with anybody could understand them to the full. And Uncle Kruger, even though we lived for a greater part of the year in Cork, mostly lived in, in Dunquin. I mean, he frequently was escaping all over the place, either to meet some celebrity or really to work terribly hard to bring tourism and to bring people to visit Dunquin. And once the initial visit started. As you well know, people long to go back and back, as I, I admit I do. 
Do you remember any conversations now you might have had with Kruger uh, since you came to live in London and maybe went back on a holiday? Oh, indeed I do. Uh, there were many funny ones. You see, Uncle Kruger was a great person for making sure that everybody was friends, and this was marvellous when we were very young. But, of course, as we, as nieces, grew slightly older and uh, began to make our own relationships, he was quite tough. He had tremendous principles, and he really only wanted the best for us, with a good old streak of snobbery in it, too. He would like... He had... He wanted everything to be just right for his girls, as he called us. And he had no children of his own, so there was my sister and myself, and then I had several other girl cousins, and all of us, we all, I think, got a dose of a telling off or a dose of good advice from Uncle Kruger. But I must say, it's done us all a power of good. Well, your father then, Seamus, he was a professor of Celtic languages in UCC, is that right? Yes, yes, and of course Daddy's still, and always will be, I'm sure, involved in academic life. He really thrived on being an academic. Uh, he obviously worked terribly hard at the beginning of his life, in academic life, because, I mean, it must be great credit Really, he was brought up in Dunquin and walked many miles to Ballyferter to school. And I would say my brother and my son have had a far more cushier entrance to academic life. But he really, he's very knowledgeable and now retired from the university. I mean, there's very little that Daddy doesn't know about academic life in his own field. I'm not saying that he is uh, a scholar right throughout, but he enjoyed it. And I can remember as a child, you know, this great encouragement from him to read and to be, to prepare oneself if one likes to enter academic life, but I'm afraid it just wasn't for me. Well, you became, what, a domestic economy instructor? I, I did. I, 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 I found that training in domestic science really has, is a course that certainly has helped me all the way through the 29 years of the job I do. Because I think also at school, at home, you, at least in my day, I don't exactly know how it works today, that one was taught a certain amount to self-discipline oneself. And I think that the system of education was much broader. But it, it's something, I mean, I'm sure the nuns of Sion Hill probably worried a while and see what I would do. But anyhow, thank God I've been quite successful. I do an unusual job, and I love it. Well, you are, uh, what is the official title with Harrods, Dickens and Jones? It being Christmas, we won't say too much about that because the busy like time is over. I'd like to forget today. Today's Christmas Day, and please, on Christmas Day, let me forget my work and just concentrate on my family. But uh, the job I do, I am the shopping advisor in Dickens and Jones in London. And my job, I take over a million a year personally in the job I do. I find it fascinating. I deal with people from all walks of life and dress them, shop for them. I go as guest speaker at lunches and dinners. And I've been asked to talk on radio before, 
other than RT. <laughs> you're not I've being even... snobbish now, Mary. You don't mean the BBC or some uh, upmarket organisation like that. That's not the implication, I hope. Not at all. In fact, strangely enough, even though I've been on television here and I've been on radio here, nothing gives me the thrill so much as doing something in, that connects with home. So I'm very thrilled that you've asked me to, to talk to you today. When you're on the London Underground, near Piccadilly, and you hear a real live Derry accent, the chances are you're listening to Jim Walker, a well-known guard from that city. Lived in Kilburn, you might as well be in Ireland anyway, you know, because it's all Irish. You're not integrating my English, you don't know much about it, because there's very little English in it. So you might as well just be in Ireland itself, you know. When you go into shops now around Kilburn, <coughs> you'll meet mostly Irish people. Uh, of course, in the pubs, the same. It's all Irish. It's all Irish bar people in the pubs and all the rest of it, you know. But there'd be many now from the south of Ireland. You wouldn't meet that many from the north, would you? There's a brief... There's a lot from the north. In fact, in the hostel, there's a great percentage of dairy people. All over. We all knew each other before we come over, you know. Well, how do you find English people now to live among them? As I say, Rick, we're not really living among them, you know. But I work well at them. Some of them's all right, some of them's... I think it's the same as anywhere else, you know. You get the good and the bad. But why did you come over here to live, Jim? For work. It's <laughs> the same as everybody else, you know. There's no work in there. For Catholics, anyway. You read that. You squeal that, but I'll you want. No, there's no work in there, quite honestly. So you have to come over. There's no other choice. It's a uh, question of life for the rest of your life. There's no prospects, you know. Because I've never been a home. Or else coming over here and get a job. There's in the hostel I would say about ninety percent of people have not a, not not even a, maybe ninety eight percent would never settle in London. They're just over to earn a few pounds and get back. Now, most of the people's come back at Christmas, they're over just overnight to get a few pounds to go back at Christmas. And then maybe come back over the new year and do the same next year and all the rest of it, you know. But since you came here, Jim, have you got any <clears> job? Yeah, I've been working steady. Been building transport, down the tubes, you know. Easy money. <laughs> uh, what do you do there? <laughs> uh, just open and close the doors in the trains. It's really easy. Job's not... It's well enough paid, I suppose, but you did a lot more for living over here, you know, it's pretty expensive. But see, when you're walking on the train now, <coughs> one of the tube train, and you close the doors, I mean, how do you decide when to close them? Can you see right back from one end to the uh, other? When everybody's on, you close them. Uh, usually you can, or else there's somebody in the station will give, give you the wire, you know, you just close them. Or does it ever happen that a person gets kind of caught half in and half out? Only when you mean it. <laughs> no, it's... Sometimes you just open the doors and let them on and They smell in your face. But is there a driver then as well? I hope so. <laughs> the one person doesn't do the whole job. <laughs> eh? Oh, that's the way they're, they're doing it now. They're phasing the guards out, you know. They're just gonna, the driver's going to be doing everything. Unions were about... I don't think we're too pleased about it, but they give them late, you know. So it's just going to be one man operated trains from 
well, some of the, some of the lanes already are, the tube lanes already are, you know, but in the next couple of years they're phasing the yards out on them. They're making it just the drivers, you know. So they'll be looking to get rid of a whole lot of poor yards like myself. But that's an easy kind of job, isn't it? <clears throat> well, you need plenty of brains for it, you know. You have three different buttons to push and <laughs> very hard, very hard for an Irishman. <laughs> now, does it ever happen when you're underground there that a train breaks down? I mean, I always feel a bit scary in case something will happen that you could be stuck there for hours. No, you, you'll never be stuck there for hours, you know. The train crew's supposed to know what to do. Me and myself haven't a clue, so if anybody's ever on my train, they're a bit. Probably end up getting electrocuted or something. But you're supposed to know the procedures and all. The driver usually knows anyway how to fix it. No, he knows all about the trains. Yeah, it's pretty boring, really. And for pressing <coughs> the three buttons that demand that great <laughs> skill that you say, well, how much a week is paid for that? Well, it depends there between them. Usually between 100 and 120, something like that, you know. Doesn't buy many pints over here. Now, it would buy a fair few, now. I don't know about that. Just one ten a pint, doesn't matter. It would depend on what your capacity is. Yeah, well, I very rarely drink anyway. How many pints have you knocked down in a night? All the pints are painful. After six years in Maynooth College, they say you're well on the way to ordination, and that's the story of Sean Burke from Kilclar in County Leitrim, who's in London for a year to get experience about how the other half lives. And I wonder, is it dangerous to get a young fellow on the loose like that, because maybe he mightn't go back to the hallowed precincts again? Well, there is, there is danger, of course, like, but it means how determined you are and how motivated you are towards clerical life, towards the priesthood, like, you know, as such. <laughs> and uh, at the end of the day, I really, like, you know, just look back on it and uh, begin to see then, like, you know, that is this for me, is it not for me? Like, you're able to view the experience you get through the year and that, and it can be of great benefit to you, either way or not. But uh, I think it basically comes back to if the person is you know, motivated if they have the vocation there, whatever, like, you know, if they're redetermined, like, you know, that the priesthood is for them. I think it depends on that then. Well, John, you have, I suppose, led a reasonably um, sheltered existence now in the cloisters of Maynooth College. And there, when you're let loose in London, and as you say, you've done a lot of social work with different groups, you've visited prisons and all that. I mean, have you learned a lot about kind of grassroots life over here. And in particular, have you discovered anything about the grassroots life of the Irish who came over here maybe years ago or in recent times? Yes, well, as such, yeah, it, can, it can be sheltered. Now, one has the option there that they can do some work, they can see some of the problems there, like facing, like say, in Minute, even in Dublin, like, you know, that they can visit. It's up to the person themselves, in a way, whether they want to leave a sheltered life. They could if they wanted to. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, when you come over to England, like, you know, it's a completely different, completely different question, completely different experience, like, you know, that you're viewing 
you're viewing the problem as it is, like you're facing it as it is, you're facing people as they are, you see exactly where people are at, you see the problems people have, and there's no escape from it, like you're just straight into it. <laughs> well, have they problems now, or do they lead a kind of life that you didn't uh, think existed? Well, they have uh, well problems in the way, like, you know, that homelessness is a problem, and unemployment is a problem. Like, they are problems that people have. Now, they are basic, they're basic human problems, because basic need is for, to have, I suppose, some kind of shelter, some form of shelter, whether that be a home, which is the most, uh, I suppose, most popular and most basic way of living, and hostels here, like, you know, which are trying to combat the homelessness, like, you know, and can be a, a move forward from, a launching pad from, uh, temporary accommodation to permanent accommodation. But uh, I think basically it is, like, there are problems. Granted, there are many other problems as well, like, you know, but those are the two basic problems one would encounter here. Now, how about people, young people on drugs and that? Have you met many of them over here? I have met quite a few, and uh, in Ireland as such, like, you know, it would be, it wouldn't be as easy to see the problem openly. Over here in England, like, you know, drugs are, uh, there's no hiding with the drugs, like, you know, it's quite obvious. One can see drugs being given out, one can see people taking drugs, just need to look a bit. But you wouldn't have to do much search, much detective work in order to detect the drug problem as such. And you can, you see individuals, like, you know, this would be on drugs and that. And you could see the repercussions of such. Now, young Irish fellows who come over here, uh, does their say, style of life or their quality of life, does it improve or uh, go down, so to speak? Well, I suppose uh, it's a fairly big question, that, but uh, when one says, is their quality of life improve a lot, one would want to know beforehand what kind of life they had in Ireland. I suppose it, it, it basically depends. Uh, it comes down to the individual as such. Now, some individuals, like you know, would have better lifestyle here in England. Uh, would have more possibility of getting jobs. They are better paid, I think, in that here. But uh, you have individuals in who be on social security. Now, I think they do a little bit better than that over here than they do in Ireland. Now, as regards their lifestyle, uh, it's, quite, it's quite hard to say in a way, because if one is alienated from home, if one is away from home, and uh, one just wonders, like, you know, what kind of a lifestyle is it, really? Well, Sean, when you have finished over here in London, you go back to Maynooth College again, and then you spend one year there, and then you're ordained a priest, hopefully. And then it could happen that you be made a curate, say, down in a remote area like Keshkargan in County Leitrim. Would you feel then that, uh, having gone into the quiet country life, that all this experience over here among the wild youth of London had been wasted? Not at all, because I'm sure it goes on at home, even though one doesn't see it. <laughs> it's just a matter of trying to look and see it. But no, I'm sure, I'm sure the experience, like, you know, when you meet people, like, you know, experiences are, uh, are general and universal, like, you know, in a way, if you look at them. And it depends on how you apply them to each individual situation. I'm sure that a lot of the experience one has gained here can be applied to uh, very individual situations, very individual problems, say, in even remote parts of uh, Leitrim, Mio, wherever one may be. <laughs> So, in that regard, I wouldn't think it's wasted at all. No, not at all. No experience is wasted. <laughs> Walking down the sidewalk on a purple afternoon I was accosted by a barker Playing the simple tune upon his flute To 
Around Holborn is always a busy business centre, and there, working as a top executive with an insurance company, you'll find Noelle Collins from West Cork. When I started off in this secreta secretarial position, I've always thought it's the easiest way to, to work up the ladder, um, starting at the bottom, you learn the basics of the company, how the company works, then it's easier to push yourself up from there. Now, would you think it's easier for a, a girl to move up the ladder in London than in Dublin, say, or Cork, in a competitive field like insurance? Yes, I definitely think so. There's certainly more opportunities here. If you work hard, they won't hold you back. They'll always give you the opportunity once you work hard and show willing. Now, how many people are employed altogether in this insurance company, which is the, what, the Sun Life, is it? Or? Yes, this is Sun Life Unit Services. We've got 400 salespeople, um, about 40 admin people, and here in head office we've got 22, from the managing director to the post boy. Now, do the other males then, or I should say, do males here, do they take kindly to you? Are they scared of you? Are they jealous of you, of your position? No, not at all. In fact, most of them are very, very helpful. Um, don't have any problems with them at all. They like to see females getting on. Do you ever think of Ireland now? Do you think of Cork specifically? Or has it left your mind completely? <laughs> um, yes, I often think of it. Um, having been born and reared there, can't leave your mind, it's always with you. Now, this district we're in, Noel, Holborn, isn't that right? Yes. Which is a very, very busy, business-like place. That's right, it's in the heart of the city. We're surrounded by banks. We've got the Bank of England. All the head offices of all the banks are around here. Major rail stations, people commuting in every day. The figures run into thousands and thousands, but it's purely Monday to Friday. Saturday and Sunday, it's totally deserted. And all over the Christmas period now, it will be like a morgue. Yes, it will be. The odd car passing through, but that's it. On its way somewhere. And then at the beginning of January? Back to normal. Hundreds of thousands of people everywhere. And, Noel, you have connections too with West Cork, haven't you? Yes, my parents are from West Cork. Daddy is from outside of Drimmer League and Mummy's from Ballady Hob. Um, I lived there until I was five, when we moved to Bishopstown, just outside of the city. It's a lovely place to go back to on holiday. People are really, really nice there. And lovely places to think of when you're in here in Holborn, in the heart of the city. Absolutely. Take a few minutes out to think about Baltimore, Glengariff, Bantry, all beautiful places and peaceful. Sets you up to start back to work again after a few minutes. Crawling down the pavement on a Sunday afternoon, I was arrested by a Raza wearing a pink balloon about his foot.
Another young dairyman who is looking for gold on the streets of London is Desi McDade. I'm living here about five months. Uh, why did you come over in the first instance anyway? Because there was so much unemployment at home and I thought it was about time I, I tried to make it on my own. So I just came over and um, just, just tried to get working. I've had working, but it, it hasn't been steady enough for me yet. So I just have to keep plugging away and, and trying to get there. In Derry, Desi, were you ever kind of scared living there? No. Never? No. Well, I'm brought up in the society of which there has been trouble, and I've, I've brought up the, or I've, I've learned to live with it and cope with it as, as much as possible. Yeah, but do you find then kind of London a much safer place to live in? No. Well, when I first came over, it, it scared me a lot, you know, because such a big city, and um, it went so fast for me, everything seemed to, to fly past all the time. have a very hard and cruel way of, of, of trying to get across. When I moved, when I came over here in January, I, I was asking for directions at Euston Station when I arrived. How would I get to Islington? And a lot of English, every person that practically that I asked just walked right by, couldn't care less. They're very hard people, very hard to try and entertain them as well, try to make people laugh, the English laugh. They're very, I don't know, they're just bogged down and they're not like the Irish, the Irish. I should talk to anybody on the street. They couldn't care less who they are or what they are. But yet the English people will laugh at the Irish jokes, won't they? Yeah, they will laugh because... I don't know, they'll probably get the impression that Ireland is so backward and that it's such a funny country and that everything is really slow. Not like the country over here where everything is rush hour, morning, noon and night, the English are flying everywhere and they don't seem to settle down like the Irish do. The Irish, when they... When they when they sit down or when they do something, they get up at 10 o'clock in the morning, they go and do a few hours' work and they come back in the evening and it's lackadaisy. The English are up and you can hear hoovers flying around the rooms at 5 in the morning and they're going straight into the midnight. So it's crazy, the English are... But still, I, I try to get on well with the English. Well, I try to get on well with the English. Well, can you yourself now imagine going back again to live in Athlone? Yes, I can imagine myself moving back because... Um, England is very, I don't know, it's very hard for me to settle down. I don't know about other people, but you have more freedom and you, have, you can do what you like over here to a certain extent. But I'd like to move back home and live there and get a flat, and get a full-time decent job that will cover me expenses, rent and all that type of thing. I prefer home than England, really. Well, how about the guards over here? The police are very strict. There was one incident where a chap from here who I won't name, was walking down Kilburn High Road there a couple of weeks ago and was arrested 
I was picked up for on suspicion of drugs. So the strip searched him in the police station and found nothing. And he was going on and making a big joke and a laugh out of it, but the police were very, very strict. Because a couple of months ago, I was down in Baker Street at Madame Tussauds, the, wa the wax uh, museum, wax model museum. Michael Jackson just happened to be there, and the police were on horseback. And I stepped out of line. I wasn't the only one who stepped out of line, but we all kind of purged forward because the press were there and they're trying to take pictures and everyone was just screaming. There was about 6,000 people in Baker Street that day. It was during the summer. And the horses, one of the horses, the police on horseback, made a, a, a pounce forward towards me on the horse and the horse's back feet started to kick. I said, you better get back in or this horse will give you a good hiding. Like, the very... Uncivilised police over here, they're very strict. They're not like the Irish police or the Irish guards. Irish guards or the Irish army. When you see them on television, they're so laxy-daisy. The uniforms and everything swinging off them. The police over here, they've all wire sticking out of them and they've truncheons, some of them. And it's crazy, it is. Before the last train pulled out, we were talking to Shane Mullally from Athlone. From up north, we met Jim Walker and Desi McDade from the Bastions of Derry, Seamus Barley from the village of Canoli in neighbouring Fermanagh, Noel Collins from Bishopstown in Cork City, also Mary Kavner, who for many years awoke in the mornings to the melodic sound of the bells of Shandon. Then, of course, there was Michael Knight from Ballinloch in County Roscommon, Tom O'Connor from Navan, and Sean Burke from Maynooth College and Kilclar in lovely Leitrim. To all the Irish in London that we didn't meet, from Bethnal Green to Bromley and from Wemley to Windsor, we wish you all the joys of the festive season and the best of luck in the new year. So, from me, Porrick Dolan, and my colleague on sound, Paddy Chute, it's good night, God bless, and do take care. <laughs> <laughs>